Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Scoopy Radio. On your airwaves, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. Instagram and Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. And make sure you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply by visiting ScoopyRadio.com. 3.5 million streams last year on all platforms and looking to take it to another level. And on the phone right now is a guy that knows his basketball. Uh, it's none other than my main man, Steve Kyler, a basketball insider. He's on the radio. He has a face for it. He's everywhere. And uh, we've got a lot of basketball that will be blooming all season. Things that will be happening in the next couple of weeks. And first of all, Steve, welcome to Scoopy Radio. Scoop, always pleasure, man. Yes, sir. So, I mean, we got the draft coming up. And then, you know, we had Anthony Davis, uh, who was uh, been a great in principle uh, on for the Lakers and the Pelicans uh, to, to, to swap players. From your estimation, does the deal get done July 6th? or July 30th? It's really looking like July 6th. There's not a whole lot of incentive for the New Orleans Pelicans to help out the Lakers any more than they have. You know, the return, you know, notwithstanding. If the Pelicans agree to wait, they're basically giving the Lakers $5 million more in cap space and costing themselves $5 million more in cap space. I don't understand why you do that. And, you know, all of the narrative out of the L.A. market is the Lakers are operating under the idea that this thing will get done on July 6th. But my understanding is that David Griffin has said, look, it's open to the idea. They want to throw a third or fourth team in to get the numbers right or get some transactions. As long as he gets more out of the deal, he'll listen to it. So it's not like the phone is hung up and nobody's going to talk about this again. But it doesn't seem like, at least from the Lakers' perspective, that they're operating like they've got a link not deal with David Griffin to defend not. Do you think that that's a Twitter non-issue that everybody's talking about it, or do you think it's a big deal simply because of basically cap space and who the Lakers couldn't end up getting? Well, it's a little bit of a big deal because it's the Anthony Davis trade kicker and not having a full max slot. Now, AD can do the favor and say, look, 
I'm getting where I wanted to be and I don't have to press this anymore. I'll give up four million because I'm either a whole lot more than that from the Lakers in a year and let's go get another guy and that's going to get to about twenty seven and a half million. If you get the twenty seven and a half, it's not going to be hard to get the whole way there. It's just going to cost you youth. It's going to cost you Mo Wagner. It's going to cost you, you know, other players on the roster that you're going to have to dump off. And then that's assuming that whoever's coming in won't take a million dollar pay cut to be part of what they're building in the Lakers. So it doesn't always have to be full back, and it doesn't always have to be every nickel that's in the piggy bank. But there's uh, a pro Laker way to look at the world. There's a negative way to look at the Laker world. I think it's going to land somewhere in the middle. But I think the other part is, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's in this. I don't think, you know, you're getting Kevin Durant. You're certainly not getting Clay Thompson. Those guys aren't going to be a factor next year. Kemba Walker, is he leaving all the money Charlotte can give him the walk? You know, is Kyrie leaving what appears to be a, a wink-not deal with Brooklyn to walk? So I, I just think that the idea that the Lakers need a max slot may not come to reality. It may be that the Lakers are getting two mid-level guys to pair with those guys, not necessarily a third max slot. Derrick Rose is a guy that you spoke about potentially joining the Lakers. Do you see that realistically happening? You know, the interesting thing about Derrick Rose was this time last year, it was like, yeah, there's no way. Now Derrick Rose can play a little bit. He's got his confidence back. You know, my question is, is how much? And does Derrick want to be part of being in LeBron's shadow? And that's always kind of the unspoken problem in all of this is you've got to be one of LeBron's guys or you're going to be able to catch the breath of LeBron every time you don't do what he wanted you to do. And not everybody's built for that. It's when you look at that Kawhi Leonard, I don't think one thing part of that. When you look at kind of some of these marquee level stars, the only guy that kind of jumped out at me is being able to take it to Jimmy Butler because Jimmy will give it right back to yeah. You know, you've got to be a mentally tough guy to want to go part of what LeBron is doing and then be part of what the Lakers' fish soul is. So I don't know where Derek's head is at. He really struggled with the negativity in Chicago and then not being able to perform in New York when it wasn't until he got into an almost no-pressure situation that he got back to being that guy. I'm not sure that he's ready to go jump into the deep end of the pool with all the sharks because that's going to be a tough environment to live up to the expectations. What about a return to Chicago? You know, he said he's open to it, but, you know, look, I don't think the Chicago Bulls management endeared a lot to, to Derek because of how close Chicago he was. Certainly the way the Chicago media and the fan base was with him when he was really struggling. He's got emotions about all of that. And every so often it'll come up in a conversation. And I don't know how ready he is to go jump back into that. But if you're on the redemption floor, if you're trying to convince everybody you're still that guy, you go back to the place that kind of knocks you down and you go stand up to your studs, you know, that could be a pretty special thing for Derrick Rose, be a pretty special thing for Chicago. So that's one of those things where you really willing to kind of go jump into the deep end of the pool. But if you look at it, Chicago could have money to get it. Chicago's got a perfect situation where he could plug right back in. And he's always said, Chicago's home, Chicago's where my heart is. There is an opportunity for him to go back. I just don't know that that's really where the goals want to go, and I'm not really sure that's where he wants to go. 
Steve Kyler on the line, Scoopy, Scoopy Radio, Radio talking all NBA. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Steve Kyler NBA. Steve Kyler covers the NBA and basketball for Basketball Insiders. And make sure to give Basketball Insiders a follow at B-Ball Insiders on Twitter. The New York Knicks. Uh, a lot changed when Kevin Durant went down, went down Excuse me, in Game 5 uh, as a member of the Golden State Warriors. Returned after missing 32 games. And do you think that the Knicks' life shattered before their eyes? Do you think the Knicks will still make a run at Kevin Durant this offseason? Well, the Knicks aren't going to get what they hoped for. And the reality, though, is if you didn't have to give up the cookie jar to go get Anthony Davis, which that trip has now failed, you're talking about a team still built around Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, you know, pick the young guys, Lonzo Trier. There's a lot there that like that Kevin could still be a very good mentor for over the year. The problem is, if you want to give Max money to Kev, coming off an Achilles. It sounds like most of the league still will. Do the Knicks still go for the win and get the big name, even though he may not play for a year? And I've talked to some people who are like, you know what? Getting Kevin Durant, maybe not being incredibly good for one more year, one more swing at the lottery next year. Now you're talking about young guys get better around Kevin. Kevin comes back, maybe there's not as much pressure. A narrative exists, but that's probably still an interesting idea for the New York Knicks. And if they're willing to give Kev all the money and all security on the bat, you know, then maybe can still win this thing if his heart really is, I want to be out of Golden State, I want to be in New York. Um, I'm not sold that that makes a whole lot of sense for the New York Knicks, but I also don't think New York Knicks are going to get Kyrie Irving, which was kind of part of that deal as well. They certainly didn't get Anthony Davis. So now do they give it to Plan B, which could be D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randall? And that might make a whole lot more sense for what you got on the roster. It's the B move. It's not the superstar win for the front office. But it might be a really good basketball win for the front office. I don't think the casual Knicks fan gets super excited about that versus tight against Durant. But I think you might win more basketball in short term with those guys, maybe spending money on guys that, that, that think that Durant won't play for. Scoopy Radio Line with Steve Kyler talking NBA. So you mentioned D'Angelo Russell. He's uh, a league source shared with me that he wants to move to Manhattan. Uh, he lives in Brooklyn currently. Uh, you see the Knicks as a realistic possibility for, for D'Angelo Russell? I think if, if the dominoes got to fall a certain way, right? So Kyrie's got to do the deal, get into Brooklyn. Brooklyn's got to say, okay, we're better with Kyrie than Dinwiddie, and, and basically let D'Angelo go. Here's the problem with D'Angelo going to the Knicks. The Indiana Pacers want to be there. So do the Phoenix Suns. Uh, so do the Orlando Magic. So there's going to be a lot of teams trying to get at D'Angelo. Look, I think the appeal of New York can win out because of the love that felt for Brooklyn in that marketplace. But Indiana's going to be the team that's probably at his door step at 12-01, ready with a flower and, and trying to convince them to come be part of what they're doing. And look what Indiana has built post Paul George is impressive. And while Victor Oladipo's got a long way back from his injury, word is he's going to get cleared medically to start basketball stuff here in June. You know, there's a chance he plays sometime next season. And the only thing the Indiana Pacers are really missing is an elite level point guard. So if they can do it in cap space and not have to trade for it, the Pacers become maybe a better win now situation. So I think there's going to be competition. Uh, but look, if the Knicks do what they've done the previous free agents, really show all the world 
they might win it out, especially if the inflow is unrestricted, or the Nets just simply don't look like it's still back the third match the full match contract. How likely do you find that the the, the Kyrie Irving to uh, I had it on February twenty fourth, uh mainstream media began to eat to eat it up, but it all makes sense. How likely do you think if Kyrie Irving does not go to Brooklyn, he goes where? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't buy the idea that he's going to a rematch with LeBron because he was just so miserable in that situation. But I think we've seen, I think Kyrie could be miserable by himself. So I don't know if that's more how Kyrie is wired more so than who he plays with because he got ugly in Boston last year. The other part is, is I don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense for the Lakers because of just how much he can change the dynamic of their locker room. But look, he wants to come. I think you look at it. I, I think LeBron would sign off on it. If LeBron signs off on it, it happens. So I'm not as sold on the Lakers. Um, but look, I think Brooklyn is very real in all of that. You know, at the Combine, you know, I was told by people around the situation that Boston was operating like he was gone. And I think it's lining up that everything I was hearing all the way back to the Combine is really where things are, is that Kyrie just doesn't feel the love anymore in, in Boston. That's not to say that it doesn't change. You know, you get to that point on June 30th when Boston can show up with a contract with a whole lot of zeros that, you know, Kyrie doesn't say, okay, well, I thought I was getting Kevin in Brooklyn, and now I'm not getting Kevin in Brooklyn. If they do, he opts to say. But it seems like there's just so much that happens he hasn't heard yet that I think that shift has failed. So to me, I think it's Kyrie to Brooklyn. I don't think it's Kyrie to the Lakers. The dark horse and all of it could be Kyrie to the Clippers. But even when I ask Clipper people about that, they can snicker and say, we don't want that in our locker room. So who do the Clippers get? You look at the Clippers. Uh, obviously, the Lakers got Anthony Davis. And, um, you know, the, the, the Warriors are going to be with Klay Thompson and, and Kevin Durant for a while. The Clippers, in my opinion, are a threat in Los Angeles. They proved it this season, and they went toe-to-toe with the Warriors. When you look at the Clippers and you look at the Lakers, who's the king of L.A.? Well, look, I, I think anybody that thinks anyone other than the Lakers are the king of L.A. is mistaken. I mean, there's been studies on this. In every market, the Lakers come in one or two among NBA fans. So if you're a Bulls fan, you love the Bulls, and then maybe you like the Lakers. The Lakers are the king of basketball. They really are in, in a way that transcends who they really are as a basketball team, and especially in that Laker marketplace. I haven't just seen anything on Twitter about anybody drawing the mural of a football player. Um, I'm just going to challenge that. But, man, I've already seen the Anthony Davis mural, and you have too. So, you know, it, it, there's just a reverence to that brand and that flag that just transcends everything logical about fandom. It, it is fandom. Um, the Clippers seem like they're okay missing. Look, they went all in on Kawhi Leonard hard. You know, the stories of them having a scout representative every time Kawhi Leonard for his sixth year is 100% true. They've done everything in the world to make themselves attractive to Kawhi. And if he doesn't stay with the Raptors, I think he's going to be with the Clippers. And, you know, I think it's probably 60, 40 Raptors Clippers, but if they don't get Kawhi, I think they seem like they're okay. Running it back with that really promising young group, you know, seeing what their flexibility can get them and be in position next year rather than go in on set guys. And 
you know, no offense to the Nigerians, because I wasn't, but that's a big reason why they traded in, is they didn't want to have their cap being dominated with a guy that's not a face of the franchise type guy. I would imagine that the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA Finals would give them a level of seniority uh, in, in retaining Kawhi Leonard this summer. Uh, Two-part question. Uh, one, do you think that the, the Kawhi Leonard's pending lawsuit with Nike and the rumors of the Clippers using a logo in their lore or their recruiting of Kawhi Leonard uh, will impact his decision? And two, um, give me a reason within the Toronto Raptors organization why Kawhi Leonard would not want to return. Well, Juan, I've, I've kind of given up on trying to repeat Kawhi Leonard. You know, I used to think I had such a good seat on him. You know, I was around him in the draft process, knew his agency quite well, talked to him as much as he'll talk to anybody. That's to say, I spent three days with him, and I think he said some words to me. Um, most of them were yes and no. So, you know, I've kind of given up. Like, when you leave the third organization the way he did and the way he kind of managed some things, he's his own dude. He's going to make his decisions on his terms. I can say that I had a, a, a pretty honest, frank conversation uh, with a really high-ranked Toronto Raptors person, and their view is they feel like they've done everything right. We got him, we, we worked with him, we got to know him and his family, we got to introduce him to who we are as a team and a culture, he helped him with his, with his body and, and, met, and, and all of the rest he has. You know, everything he could do, they feel like they've checked every box. But the one box that they cannot check and they understand it is this isn't home. Toronto's not home. And if he wants to play at home, there's nothing Toronto can say or do that will change that. And that particular person said to me, if I don't, if I wanted to go home, there's nothing you were going to offer me that was going to change that, especially when I have all the monetary that I've got championships and I've won finals MVPs and I've got two deals and I'm the player I want to be. If I want to be that guy at home, you don't win that. There's just no way to win that. What Toronto's view is, is that you only have to live in the market about 100 days a year. Um, we're going to give you more money than anybody. You can buy as big a beach house in Malibu as you want. And we'll help you as much as we can in terms of putting you in an environment to compete for a championship every year. That's how they feel they can kind of counter that. But again, at the end of the day, if wife simply wants to be at home, I don't think anybody can trump that other than the Clippers and the Lakers. How similar is uh, Kawhi Leonard and uh, his free agency and potentially staying with the Toronto Raptors similar uh, to Paul George and the Oklahoma City Thunder ultimately getting him to stay in OKC? Well, I think a little bit of the difference is that, you know, I don't think Paul ever expected a like Oklahoma City. Um, when he got there, so there was just like, yeah, this does have a red ball. And then he fell in love, fell in love with how the, how the Thunder do things, found kind of a, a soulmate, if you will, and kind of a way that kind of allowed sound to bar the Rosen and, and, and Russell Westbrook. And the two of them just really clicked in a very real and genuine way. Enough to pull to kind of buy into a whole lot of things. They're like, how's this roster going to work? And all sure. He bought it. I think the other thing, too, about Paul Burns is a little different. Like, this dude loves to go fishing. This, this dude loves to be in nature. As much as he's a Hollywood, L.A., self-out guy, 
you know, he grew up as a player in Indiana. I found things to do in Indiana. And then realizing, look, I can go to L.A. and sign up to be a rock star NBA player in the offseason. But during the season, having less distraction is probably better for my career. And that's one of the big reasons why he signed off on, on the circuit. I don't know that any of those things are necessarily true for Kawhi. So I don't know how much Kawhi loves the diversity in Toronto. And if you've ever been in Toronto, especially in spring, that's a beautiful place to be and live. Like, you'd want to live there enough. I don't know that I would want to live there in the regular season when it's 30 degrees more, that, more days than it's not. Uh, but again, I think that culturally, diversity, having a whole country. And the one thing that Raptor person said to me was the bounce certainly did cover up. You know, when you're part of something that will be part of NBA lore forever, it doesn't hurt your chances or he's got an emotional connection to you in a way, an historical emotional connection to you in a way, he can't get anywhere else. But I think the difference is what Oklahoma City is in being season, I think appeals to Paul George in a way no one really expected or understood. Scoopy Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher app, and ScoopyRadio.com on the line with Steve Kyler talking all NBA uh, free agency, which begins, uh, people can begin talking on June 30th at 6 p.m. They moved it up. They gave us, they, they made us go a little bit earlier, man. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, what I'm hoping is that we'll get the big stuff out of the way before 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Lies like the last day I just like not have to worry about the NBA 24-7 before I go to summer league. So I get on the ground on the fifth. So I would love to not have to worry about where Kawhi's going, Kendra's going, Katie's deal is done, Kyrie's deal is done, and we're in second part of free agency so that I can actually maybe have a hot dog and enjoy my fans. Yeah, I like it. Uh, one thing that, you know, is, lo- not, is a little local to you, a little ways away, but the Orlando Magic. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, does he stay in Orlando or does he go? You know, that's an interesting question because, you know, the narrative for most of the season was Dallas was going to go all in on Vooch and they were going to pair him with Porzingis and, and Luca and it was going to be this all, you know, they were all going to just be this great new future for the Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks told me, we're not. <laughs> not at all. And then it was, okay, well, you know, he's going to go to Sacramento and the Kings are going to spend mass money at it. And that report came out. No, they're not. I don't know who's going to give Booch a big deal. I, I don't know that he's going to outbid a return to Orlando in a way that makes Orlando say it's not worth doing because, frankly, Booch has been an all-star. His first all-star since the White House. Booch powered them to the playoffs. First time since the White House. And he'd like to say. Um, he made it pretty clear he'd like to say. So it's just up to Orlando to start the deal that makes sense. Deal that's very similar to what they did with Aaron Gordon, where it's a whole lot of upfront money and then decrease it 8% every year. And maybe there's a, a non guaranteed component in the final year that maybe that stuff gets boosted today. Still, you can much bigger money to figure out who Obama is as a player and such a way. So he could maybe play with Booch a little bit in a big, you know, front court, or that when Booch needs to start to wind it down a little bit, that there's more of a runway for Bo to figure out how to play in the NBA because the magic stance has been key time. And Booch can buy that time to figure it all out in a way that I think makes a lot of sense for Orlando. 
Does Julius Randle end up staying with the New Orleans Pelicans, or do you think the Knicks may have something to say about it? I think Julius Randle is available to the highest ever. Uh, I, I don't think that there's any love or connection uh, to New Orleans. I think if New Orleans comes with the biggest number, he'll come back. It's not like he didn't have it this season or didn't enjoy it. But, you know, this is always kind of a problem of being traded somewhere or being on a one-year deal or all of those things. You don't really get a chance to kind of fall in love and part of it. And I think that's the big deal is, um, you know, where does he really feel like there is a future for him? And I think the biggest problem in New Orleans getting back is, you and I both know, it's Zion, and he's showing up on Thursday. So, you know, Julius, I don't know that he gets a chance to be the player he wants to be. Um, that's kind of the big thing, is he wants to be a much bigger part of a team than I think he's going to be allowed to be in New Orleans. And I think if you want to win Julius Randle, that's the pick. That you're going to be the number one, number two type guy for us, and we really believe that we'll win a lot of games with you as a focal point. I don't think he's eager to sign on to be just another dude on a team with another brighter star than he is. What about DeMarcus Cousins? You know, I think Cousins uh, is still kind of a mixed bag. You know, the problem with DeMarcus is he wasn't necessarily impressive. I mean, he's not dead. I think that's the good thing. You get out on the floor and you show that still move around, still make some things happen, you still put up buckets. Uh, but he wasn't moving around like you wanted him to. He certainly had moments where he didn't look very good. And then you're still talking about, you know, the luggage that DeMarcus carries. I think the good news for DeMarcus, no one within the Golden State organization had anything but great things to say about it. And that kind of lined up a little bit with what you were hearing in New Orleans, that, you know, the disgruntled dude that was in Sacramento didn't necessarily show up in New Orleans. So now you've got two situations that were more favorable because of when we've seen the better side of him to maybe team take a chance on him a little bit more. But look, I think you're still battling history, and the history is that nobody has ever come back been the same guy hmm. after an Achilles tear, and he hasn't looked like the same guy. So I think somebody will give him money. Look, that you remember somebody gave uh, the ghost of Andrew Bynum you know, $12 million, he couldn't even walk to the press conference. So, you know, teams will get desperate, and especially when you've got what is going to be 17 teams with meaningful cap space, somebody's going to give the market money. And there's a kind of sneaky part of all of this. There could be a redeeming that the market's cousins with Anthony Davis in L.A., especially mm-hmm. in a situation like Golden State, where nobody's showing up, and the Lakers are willing to give him an exception, because an exception in L.A. is better than an exception in Milwaukee. Hmm. The Philadelphia 76ers gave up Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, Landry Schmidt, and four draft picks uh, to get Tobias Harris, who averaged 20.7.9 rebounds and 2.8 assists this season. Uh, his his 2018-29 shot, two, excuse me, 2018 to 2019 salary was $14.8 million. Um, the Brooklyn Nets uh, are a team that has been rumored to be interested in them. Tobias is from Suffolk County, uh, which is on Long Island. Do you see the Nets as a match for Tobias? If not him, then who? Well, the interesting part with Tobias is he really enjoyed being part of Philadelphia. He liked that group and that situation. He liked playing for Brett Brown. And if the Philadelphia 76ers come correct with the money, um, I think he'll be back there. If they don't, I think Tobias is going shopping. Think about all the places that dude's already been traded from. Got traded mm-hmm. from Milwaukee to Orlando, 
almost landed to Detroit from Detroit. They're Clippers from the Clippers, but Philly, and he's not 28 yet. So he's really looking at the world in a business kind of way. Doesn't get overly romantic about coaches, teammates, loves his teammates, or his great teammates, but he gets it. It's a business. It's been shown it's a business. So he's going to make a good business decision. And if Philly comes to the money, it'll be Philly. Look, I think Brooklyn is incredibly attractive to him as well. I don't know that New York is as attractive to him as they Brooklyn because he wants to win. But the dark horse in all this might be the Jazz. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. kind of rumbling talk about Utah. You know, but funny enough, I'm actually talking to Tobias about Utah. Last year at Summer League, I did this thing with Larry Coon in the sports business classroom. And we do this mock kind of trade thing where it's a mock trade deadline in their 17 team. And we had the class and we were talking, we were running Utah. And one of the kids at the table said, you know, we should trade for Tobias Harris and the Clippers. But I don't think he'd want to be in Utah. And I said, well, why don't we ask him? So I texted Tobias. We got him on the phone in the class. We talked about Utah with him. And he said all kinds of really nice things about Utah. Now, he was playing along for the class. But the truth of the matter is, is I don't think he'd be opposed to that idea because he doesn't crave the, the limelight kind of like some other dudes do. He wants to be on a really good team that's about winning. You can't tell me that's not exactly what Utah's about. Yeah, man, you, you said a mouthful there. When you look at the Utah Jazz, you have a culture that's forming minus the situation that happened with Russell Westbrook in Utah. He was on the opposing team. Um, you know, you get a mixed bag of people who say that they don't want to play for the Jazz, but then you hear some past and present who, you know, who say that they do. Um, you look at Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you look at, um, you know, Rudy Gobert. They have a framework to make some things happen. When you look at teams like Dallas and Utah, I feel like they're in a similar boat. They have young talent. They just got to put it all together. What do you see? And I would agree with that. And I think Dallas is, you know, the one thing Dallas Mavericks have a long history of is taking care of players in a way that most teams don't think about. And I think that's, you know, why Mark Cuban is, is such a, a revered owner, you know, that's way out in the front and you get nuts about him in terms of some of his theatrics at times. So both teams, I think, are in a really good situation to be appealing. But there's also a reality that says, if I've got my choice, you know, where if you're lining them all up, you're generally not putting Utah at the top of the list. So that's where it's going to be. You know, does money start to dry up? How aggressive do you go after somebody? How much do you make that guy feel wanted and loved? And I'll agree with you. I, I, and I've been to Utah many times. That's not the first place you want to go if you like the next one. <laughs> but if you're, right. if you're a family guy, or again, like Salt Lake, where you want in season to be calm and in control and not nuts and distracting, you know, Utah is, is a beautiful place, and that organization is first class. The Dallas, excuse me, well, actually, yeah, the, just like I said, the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz uh, have this this youth movement. Uh, there's a commonality in the NBA, the Chicago Bulls and the Phoenix Suns both lack something, a viable point guard. What do you see them doing this offseason, or what do you see them doing in the draft? You know, the draft here for the Bulls is going to be about who drops to them at seven. I know the fan base wants to see them for buff, and there's been some stories about maybe they're the team that's going to jump in and, and sway the, the New Orleans Pelicans to flip the number four to them, and maybe it happens. I, I don't think that's how it's going to play out based on what I've heard. I think Jared Culver is going number four, and he's going to be a Pelican. But we'll see. You know, these things are always fluid. It's always about what are you offering. 
you push one more chip into the table and a, a no becomes a yes pretty quickly. I think we saw that with the Anthony Davis stuff. Uh, so we'll see. But the reality for the Bulls is, I don't think they're going to get a point guard set. I think Darius Garland's going to be gone. I think the, the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to grab him at five and sell him down the road by a trade. I think he's going to be there at the seven. You know, Kobe White might be there. You know, I think the surprise of all of it is that, you know, Kobe White, um, you know, it looked like he had a promise for the Phoenix Suns, and then he's working out for the Minnesota Timberwolves at 11 and the Washington Wizards at nine. So it like Kobe's still trying to find a floor. So maybe he's there. But look, I, I don't know that the answer uh, for the Chicago Bulls of point guard is going to come from the draft. I think the interesting one, and it's been pretty funny to watch how aggressively he's done it, is Patrick Beverly kind of campaigning for the idea of being the Bulls starting point guard. And you know what? I think that's better having him in first time. Yeah, I, I like Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, uh, I heard Shaq saying on television, is is the modern day Gary Payton. It reminds me of that just how how chatty he is. But we talked about Derrick Rose returning home, but 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 really and truly, Patrick Beverly is is the heart and soul of a team that he goes to. I think he would be a perfect fit in Chicago. And he's given some culture and some structure for those young guys. You know, I think we've seen Larry Martinez is really capable of being an elite-level guy. We didn't get to see enough of Wendell Carter Jr. to really make a statement, but I love that guy. You know, Zach Levine is capable of giving you 30 on any given night. He probably won't give you 30 on two consecutive nights. So now Pat Beverly can fill in around that, maybe help those guys figure out how to compete. And I think when you talk about their head coach, you know, he's a hard-nosed, get-it-done-do-it-right guy. To have that on the floor as your floor leader, it's not a set you're going and getting a Kyrie or going and getting, you know, a major dude that's going to cost you, you know, 25 million and be your franchise point guard. You probably get Pat Beverly for half the price and get twice the price. Steve, uh, Steve Kyle on the line with Scooby Radio. A couple weeks ago, um, I reported that the Rockets, um, everybody was on the table except for PJ Tucker and uh, James Harden, you, it seems your tweets get you in trouble and you're not even trying to get in trouble. You said something about Click Capella. Why did that become a thing? You know, everybody's looking for somebody to be reporting something. And, you know, the two things I'm never trying to do on Twitter, and you followed me on Twitter for a while, I'm not trying to be the breaking news guy. I'm just not. Early in my career, you know, maybe that's where I wanted to be. But then you realize you start to alienate people. People see you coming across the room. They turn around and walk away from you. And I'm just not trying to be that guy. You put out a piece of news. You hold your breath for two days. And then you listen to general managers come out and, and kind of crush it, even though you know it happened. Mm-hmm. So it should be not a fun lifestyle. You know, I, I know Woats well. I know Shans well. I don't envy those guys in terms of, of the stress and the pressure and, and the 24 seven life you have to live. I've got a young, uh, a young son who's 12 who loves this room. I coach his team now. He's been doing this for about a year. I love being able to turn my phone off on Saturday. I love mm. being able to just give undivided attention to my family and my friends and not have to be a slave of, Oh, it's GMXYZ. I got to run out of room to go take the phone call. Um, and immediately, if that happens, like my phone will ring, I'll look at it, I'll send somebody the voicemail. I go, who was that? My phone will go, what? Like, really? Send on the voicemail? I'm like, okay, you know, I'm on the list, I'm on the life. So I, I say that in this regard. I'm not trying to break news on Twitter. What I do on Twitter is I answer questions. 
And people will say, what are you hearing? What do you know? This time of year specifically, I spend a lot of time in staff environments, whether it's around trainers, whether it's around agents, players. And as a result, the teams want to know what I know. They want to know who I'm talking They're doing their own background. And all of them understand that you need to have a two-way conversation for it to make sense for everybody. So that's why I'm getting and hearing a lot of this stuff. And most of it is, if it happens, it happens. Here's what I keep. And the truth of the matter is, the Houston Rockets have reached out to a number of players that are currently projected in the 8 to 19 range, that middle lottery part, trying to schedule them for workouts. And they're telling agents they can get a hold of a mid-level draft pick right in that range, and that they're shopping player X, Y, and D. Like Capella's one, if they're 31, if Paul's one, it's all the things you've heard of. Whether or not any of those teams fight becomes something else. Like the Brooklyn Nets, they entertain the Clint Stella thing, but they were very clear. They're trying to get a big fish in free agency. They don't get a big fish in free agency, maybe they revisit the Eastern Market. The Boston Celtics hit the tires a whole lot more than anybody else. And that's why I'm in trouble, because if the Boston Celtics kick the tires more than anybody else, doesn't mean they're going to do it. It makes a whole lot of sense for them to do it. And certainly they don't need three more young guys. They need three more young guys like a hole in the head. So it all just kind of lines up what Houston trying to get accomplished. So we'll see if it happens, if it doesn't. But like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to break news, and certainly I'm not trying to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm learning that firsthand, as you can see. We follow <laughs> each other on Twitter. You are uh, doing it, man. You will drop something, and I know you are holding your breath. <laughs> yeah, because now when I go to church, people ask me, yo, where's this person going? Where's that person going? It's And I think this year and last year, more than any other year, it's been so important to people where someone is going. You're on a red carpet with Samuel L. Jackson, and I'm asking him about uh, where he thinks Kawhi Leonard is going. I don't remember this ever being a thing 10 years ago. Do you? It has been, you know, again, I don't want to date myself too much because then I feel like I'm really old, but this is season 22 for me. So, you know, I've been around the block a couple of times. Most of the dudes that were in my first five drafts are long retired now. So I've done this cycle and, you know, look, I remember very vividly when the Knicks traded Patrick Ewing and the fervor that was around that. I think what makes it crazier is it's more frequent now shorter contracts, much shorter contracts than we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. More dudes who can opt out after three years. So there's more terms. And then we're living in an environment where, you know, the day that dudes want to be on the same team for their entire career is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear guys like Kemba Walker say, I want to be with the team that drafted me. And we all go, who do you do? Because nobody else does. So it's just kind of created this every summer. And, I mean, it's already happened now, right? Boston Celtics missed out on Anthony Davis. They never got super serious about it. You're already hearing people go, so when are we getting Carl Anthony Towns? Like, when did Mm. Carl Anthony Towns become available? So, you know, it's just everybody's next deal, next deal, next deal. And then in social media, because we've got so many ways for people to put out, and you see this, you know, I tweet, I tweet, Hey, the, the, you know, yeah, the Celtics have kicked the tires on Clint Capella. All of a sudden, NBA, whatever on Twitter. Steve Tyler, NBA says Celtics trading for Clint Capella. And not at all what I said. And then that becomes the story because I've got a check next to my name or you see yep. it on TV or you saw me in NBA 2K. Now all of a sudden, I'm super credible. And I'm saying when I didn't do any of that, 
So I think we've seen it a little bit. I think there's a desire for it more. I think it's become so acceptable now that one source will get it that we've got a lot more reporting that gets picked up in the mainstream that may or may not always be as solid as fans want it to. Yeah, because, you know, I was dealing with that at first over the last year. It's going to be credible or not. <laughs> so I think the new the new media is beneficial, but I also think in the Trump era, the whole phase of fake news makes everybody question everything. Which I think you always should. I think, you know, look, I'm not ever saying, hey, take me at my word. You know, it's not hard to see where I'm at. You know, I post pictures. I tweet where I'm at. I, I'm a really easy person to understand where I'm at. You know, and I always say this. If I haven't seen you at a game, if I haven't seen you at an NBA event, if I don't know anybody who has seen you at an NBA event, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. Hmm. You know? I, I'm always going to do that. Because there's a reality that says, how old do you know? But you and I both know. It's amazing where you'll run into age. It's amazing what players will tell you. More importantly, scouts and player personnel directors and assistant general managers, it's like a sewing circle in the NBA. Once you get a ticket, once you're allowed into that circle, those dudes will talk about everything. So you get yourself in a lot of trouble just repeating everything you hear. So, one, you've got to be a little responsible with it. Two, you've got to have a track record a little bit about it. And I think you've got to prove that you're viable before you should expect to be taken. But, I mean, even with Woj's tweet stuff, as much as how often is Woj wrong, he's been wrong. How often Mm -hmm. is Shan's wrong? He's been wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, they're really good at tweeting out the stuff that's done, that is being leaked to them. But when they're five weeks before the transaction, their accuracy rate's just as high as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I agree. The Miami Heat, they are stat for cash. Uh, they <laughs> were less than a million dollars under the luxury tax. Um, Hassan Whiteside, the last five years, he's thrived. Uh, his option for next season is worth $27 million. Um, Goran Dragic also has a player option, uh, while Dwayne Wade Udonis has him and, and Duncan Robinson can come off the books. Do you see him staying in Miami? Which one? Hassan Whiteside? Well, if yes. they could get rid of Hassan Whiteside tomorrow, they would. They, 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 absolutely. So there's no love in Miami long-term for Hassan Whiteside. It's not like Udonis has them where they're going, we can be back in the facilities, we'll give you more money. That's just not where it's at with Hassan. And, some of that's his own fault. I think it's easy for people to forget that Hassan was drafted the same year DeMarcus Cousins was. He was drafted in the second round. Hmm. Had a sniff. Spent most of his initial NBA career in the G League. Um, then he wasn't even getting G League opportunities. Was in China. Was in Lebanon, of all places. And then was on the sofa. And Miami got to the point where they were so desperate, they were the only team that called Hassan Whiteside and cops. And he made the most out of his opportunity. And, you know, this is always the problem with dudes that get top after, you know, 20, 30, 40 games is are you really getting what you paid for? And the Heat never really did. Um, so this contract's coming to an end. Um, there's possibility of a buyout. I've heard that discussed. But the one thing about the Heat organization I think is very different. They're just not overly interested in deliberate losing. They don't want to tank. They don't have, they're not built that way. Maybe it's a flaw in Pat Riley. They're bad enough to get a good draft pick. They're happy with it. 
They're not going to try to be bad enough to get a good draft pick. And then you kind of track the no-man's thing. They got some good players, not great players. I'd say their better players are, are somewhat aging. But look, Justice Winslow looked great last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Richardson has been great at times. You know, I love Deion Waiters, but he's, he's not the way you know, so they've just got a lot of middle-tier guys. Their plan, it seems, is get to cap space next year. There's not a lot of dudes to get next year. But if anybody's taking a one-year deal, there's been good restricted free agents, potential restricted free agents. And it's never a bad thing to be the one team with cap money. So money mm-hmm. seems like they're planning for 2020 um, and to have a bunch of money in 2020. But that doesn't mean they wouldn't trade some of these ending contracts for a future today especially if somebody wants to get out of a guy that doesn't want to stare at the I'm going to name – we're almost done. I'm going to name some names, and I want you to tell me if they stay or if they go, in your opinion. You ready? Yeah. Inez Cantor, Portland Trailblazers. Go. J.J. Redick, Philadelphia 76ers. Would like to stay. Not sure they're going to have money for it. Malcolm Brogdon, Milwaukee Bucks. Stays. Terry Rozier, Boston Celtics. The Celtics seem like they want him to stay. Terry wants some love, and it seems like there are a couple of other teams that are going to show him love, maybe way more than the Celtics want. Daddy is young, Indiana Pacers. Uh, that's a good question. Dad really likes Indiana and likes the culture there, but I'm not sure Indiana's spending their money on Dad. They've got to spend it on Boya. Al Horford, Boston Celtics. Stays. He's going to opt out, rework his deal. I'm going to peg it at $18, 20000000 million a year for three years. Um, that one's way down the road. Could get done here in the next couple of days. DeAndre Jordan, New York Knicks. He'd love to stay. He loves New York, but he doesn't make a whole lot of sense if they're going young. So DeAndre may find himself uh, without a chair. Chris Middleton, Milwaukee Bucks. Chris is the interesting one because I know there are some teams that are going to go pretty hard after him. Look at the Dallas Mavericks is one. Look at Sacramento Kings is one. He could be one that ends up with the Clippers um, in a number that tries to make Milwaukee say no. But ownership in Milwaukee says they want to keep him. Mark Gasol, Toronto Raptors. That one's interesting. Kawhi stays, I think Mark stays. Kawhi leaves, I think Mark goes shopping. Jonas Valanciunas, Memphis Grizzlies. He opted out. He wants to stay. wants to see a new deal that kind of secures the next part of his career. Don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense for the Memphis Grizzlies to do it, especially life after Mike Conley. If they can get a good return for Mike Conley and trade, uh, I think Jonas is going to be outside looking in. The future there is, is Jaron Jackson. Clay Thompson, Golden State Warriors. Stays. Max contract. It's all his money. Kevin Durant, Golden State Warriors. Flip a coin. Um, look, I think there's a, I think there is a real possibility that Golden State says we'll give you every nickel possible, full five-year max. We love you. We'll, we'll skipper you through this. You'll get all your money in two years. If you're not happy, we will agree to trade you anywhere you want to be. I think that's what Golden State does. I don't know if that'll matter, Ken. Brooke Lopez, Milwaukee Bucks. He'd love to stay. They'd love to keep him. They're not going to have money or cap space to do it. Other teams could win with a big contract, but Brooke had a great year. Loved playing for Mike Bundle. 
Marcus Morris, Boston Celtics. I think he's gone. I think he's going to go looking for a situation where he can get a little bit of that money he left on the table with the Phoenix Suns. Kenneth Farid, Houston Rockets. Uh, not sure that it matters. Um, again, Rockets looking to cut money. I don't think they're going to give Kenneth more money than he was paid. I think Kenneth can find a better deal somewhere else. All right, you off the hot seat. Where can everybody find your work? <laughs> and uh, what is a two-part question before I let you go. What, where can everybody, what is something that you think you'll break if you break something? And what is the first meal that you'll have after free agency is over? Okay, first thing I'll break is probably my foot. Um, so that'll be the, that'll be the truth. Um, no, look, I'll stumble into stuff. Stuff finds me. I'm not actively, you know, I've got pending. Hey, call me back. That's suit so I'm not even on the phone with. So talk to you instead of them. Um, you know, look, I, I think that some of the stuff I put out there, look, I think Terry Roach here is going to be interesting. I think the Indiana Pacers and Mike Conley has a lot of traction, especially if the Anthony Russell says no. So we'll see where some of those things go. But again, as, as soon as we get past the draft, I just kind of kick back and watch the show. Not really trying to break news, so we'll see. Uh, first meal after free agency. So that will be, wow, what, we're talking June 30th. So I don't know. I said lasagna tonight, so maybe lasagna. You heard it first, Steve Collar, brother. Honor to have you on, and we must do this again. Anytime, my friend. I'll see you next week. Scoop B Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.